Hey, what's up, folks? Welcome to another episode of the Queen's Comic Podcast. I'm Billy Bombs. I'm Ian. And this episode, we're going to talk about comic book hunting and how awkward it can be when you go with friends. We spent the day on Saturday, pretty yeah. much the whole day, from like 9 o'clock until about 3 o'clock. Digging. We killed it. I went to one of Ian's spots that he meets up with a couple of other fellas, and they make a tradition out of it. I really was kind of an outsider. You were. They all know you, but... No, they all know me. They're all great guys. We watched you run the red light while you were looking for parking. Oh, yeah. I don't give a crap. Uh, <laughs> I, that, that guy needed to get out of the way. Um, <laughs> but one of the guys, one of the one of the dudes who does the show, uh, does the hunting with you dudes, pointed me in the direction. He goes, oh, they never refill those two goods, so you can go check out there, mm-hmm. this section of books. And I pulled out 40 books. Yeah. And I was like, oh, these are great. And then when you guys got to it, you're like, oh, there was stuff in there. The, the funny thing is, like, at that particular location, you don't know. You don't know. You don't you know, know where the new stuff's going to be. It's going to be in like one of 10 boxes. So there's always a bit of a feeding frenzy when they mm-hmm. first open because everybody's trying to find the box with the new stuff in it. And sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. It's, it's luck of the draw. And yes, if you're the first person in line, then you get first crack. But you can't hit all the boxes at once. No. No matter how hard you try. And some of them try. Some of yeah. them definitely try. They kind of spread out and like, and that's on purpose, you know. But yeah. you can't do that. Poor comic hunting etiquette. Yeah. Poor form. Uh, it is poor form. But, you know, you dig around. There's also, like, it's not just the new dollar books you want to hit. You want to hit the new arrival section. You want to see what's on the wall. You want to mm. see what's in the magazine section. So every week there's new stuff to hit. And on a good day, everybody will find some stuff. Yes. Everybody so. Everybody seems to do good except a few cats. Mm-hmm. But that's where I felt bad. I'm like, I'm the new guy. I would prefer just to stick to my hunting grounds. Yeah. It's like crab fishing. I'll stick to my area and I know you it. felt like you'd committed a sin by pulling little bit. pulling a big stack out of the box oh, that nobody else yeah. had hit yet. Yes, right. yes. And it was the section that nobody looked at. It was. Yeah. And so, I was like, I was happy for myself, but I was like, oof. But it's luck. Like I said, it's luck of the draw. You just happened to hit that box. Yeah. And I don't like people feeling like, oh, this dude's got my spot. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people feel like some of these spots are like just theirs. Yes. And I do get that. People get territorial about comic book stores. Totally. But the thing is, though, it's these are some of these stores are like, well, how would we just ban you for life? (laughs) And it's like, holy crap, do you have to jump down somebody's throat like that? But that's how the attitude is. But it was what happened later on the day that got to me. Mm -hmm. We went out to uh, upstate New York somewhat. Not that far up, but far enough. An hour hour outside of Queens. Yeah. First, we hit up Streetside Anthony and racked up some good stuff. We did. Yeah. I got the first Crazy Jane. Mm-hmm. Doom Patrol. I got uh, Adam Hughes Catwoman cover, and I got a funky old Charlton sci-fi book from the late sixties. I got the first Run and Beast Scratch and Stiff unopened book. I got a Gay Pride Futurama comic book. I think number issue thirty-three. Where a lot of people complain because the Pride flags on it. I'm like, who cares? Yeah, who cares. Yeah, it's a comic, and I forget what the third one I got, but I had great deals. Yeah, I really wish I got the Darkwing Duck when I was there because it was a good price. Because he, he he's always good prices. Besides, look him up on Instagram. Check when he does the sale. Go check it out. Yep. If you're anywhere near the Bronx all summer long, he'll be out there on the weekends more often than not, unless he's doing shows. He's got good books, good prices, and he's like the friendliest dude you could meet. Yeah, 100%. 100%. One of those guys who likes to give back to the community. Well, he reminded me of something we were talking about CGC with him. We'll hit that up after we do uh-huh. a comic hunting. But here's the thing. We went up to, we went to Oh Yeah Comics. Oh Yeah. Great shop. Mm-hmm. There's a few of them. There's a few of them. It's like a chain. No. And I know that. No, there's another one in another town and another one in another town. Are you and, sure about that? Yeah, I looked it up because I was like, oh, I thought it was just one store. And it's like there's a couple of them, but they just share the name and probably maybe share product. Okay. I had maybe no exclusives idea. or something no like idea. that. Me too, because yeah. when I had to look them up to tag them, because I sent the guy 
who runs it. Great guy, great YouTube channel, and great live stream if you get a chance to watch it mm-hmm. yourself. You're talking about Mark, the guy who's at the, the shop. The big heavy set guy with the tattoos. Yep. Great guy. Yep. Great guy. But there's like another one in like Arizona, and there's another one over here. And it seemed all, everything is the same, logos, everything. That's wild. I had no, yeah, I had yeah. no idea. It took me a minute to find him. Yeah. Me and Ian were hunting. Ian hooked me up with a great book. I had a guy that was next to me looking on Key Collector every single issue. So I jumped in front of him and in the three boxes at the end. Mm-hmm. And I and I know what I'm looking for. So I just grabbed out like uh, about like 70 books. Right. And this dude I know felt it. Yeah. Because, but he was doing so slow. If you don't study your craft, you should not be into this. People who are looking up every book in the dollar bin on Key Collector mm-hmm. are a scourge. they should be lit on fire and well maybe that's a little extreme but it's obnoxious it makes for a poor shopping experience for everybody else yeah yeah. and if you've if you've got say 10 boxes of dollar bin books you want to dig through and this guy's taking up two of them and you've finished the other eight and you're just waiting on those two and it's going to be another hour because this guy has to look up every single thor book from 1997 that's in there or every other crappy continuity studios armor volume three book that's in the dollar bin because he doesn't want to miss something, then I guess you just cut around like you did. Like you didn't push him out of the way or anything. No. You just went to some of the boxes he hadn't got to yet, but you kind of got a look from him. Yeah. And I wish him luck with that one. Yeah. That wasn't going to do nothing. Right. Me. Like I realized a long time ago, this is like comic hunting. Is a lot of these people that are into it now. And you, if you're listening to it and you got a problem with what I'm saying, be my guest to tell me were the guys who couldn't make it selling shoes. <laughs> we're the same guys who couldn't make him selling cards, which yeah. is a very hard business. Well, I mean, very when, when COVID hit, right, and everybody had stimulus money, and we all know mm-hmm. the comic boom happened. We don't need to go into detail on that. But, like, a lot of people, myself included, got back into the hobby. Mm-hmm. I got back into the hobby because I love comic books, and I had, you know, very little to do with my time. So I'll grab some comic books and read them, and that kind of lit the spark yeah. again. And so I got back into it. But I didn't get back into it because I was like, I can flip stuff. I didn't know what Key Collector was. I didn't know yeah. it existed. I got to do it because found, I was like, Swamp Thing. I want to collect Swamp Thing books. But you found so much good stuff because of knowledge from years of reading comics. There's that and also being willing to take a chance on something that you don't necessarily recognize, but it looks interesting. That Megadeth book we talked about on the last yeah, episode, yeah. for example. You found it there too? Yeah. That's excellent. Yeah, and there's, there's no trade dress on that cover. I just saw the cover and I didn't, first of all, didn't recognize Vic Rattlehead on the cover. I was like, this is just a cool cover. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to grab it because it looks interesting. Mm-hmm. So take chance. That's what dollar bins and 50 cent bins and stuff are for. A- take chances on stuff. Like you'll find cool stuff. If you I- just expand your horizons a little bit, look for stuff that isn't Marvel or DC or even dark horse or image. Like some of the smaller indie press, small press stuff winds up in the dollar bin and you'll find like the best reads. That's how I discovered Santos sisters was digging through the dollar bin at hot flips. That's how I discovered. um, uh, (laughs) But you'll find my point is like, if it's a dollar bin book and you're not paying like high value for it, then you could, you should be able to afford to take those risks. 100%. 100%. And it makes it so much more fun. How much did I leave with? I think 135. You left with 100. Books. You left with, I think, 130 books. Yeah. Well, you know what it is? That I bought bags and boards. I didn't have enough to finish it. Yeah. 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 I was like, wow. I still have about 40. Yeah. I, I love between that and the other store, um, the, other, uh, the other comic shop, uh, I went and got um, 40 books from there for a dollar each. And I took a lot of chances, but yeah. I also got the first Dakin. Mm hmm. I got the second Dakin and I got a variant cover. Yeah. And then I got a bunch of stuff for people I know they collect. They were like, yo, if you find this, let me know. So mm-hmm. I'll hook them up. Yeah. My, um, that's the cool thing about running a comic show is that people know what they want to finish. They're like, yo, if you see it, let me know. Yeah. And you're like, sure. 
And I grabbed a lot of that. I have a lot of Sandman. I have a lot of She-Hulk. I had a lot of uh, Wolverine Origins. I think mm-hmm. that's a new one everybody wants. And then I figured with the other stuff. But for myself, I picked up so much good stuff as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I picked up for PC, like, a good, like, a ton of Dark Horse Comics presents. Mm-hmm. Trying to finish that run. Uh, Simpsons books are getting a little bit more rarer because everybody beats them up to death. Yeah. That's the only books I can't find in decent condition. See, again, it kind of stems back to, like, they weren't maybe necessarily for kids per se, but they were people who didn't care about comics were buying a lot of those. Yeah. So when you find them, yeah, I, I, I've noticed that too. A lot of times when you find them, they're, they're well-read, yeah, <laughs> well-loved, which is a good thing in a way because somebody enjoyed that comic, which is what you should do with your comics. But if you're looking for higher grade copies for whatever reason, oh, don't tougher to find. No. And then there's people that we then knew what they have, but they have to charge five bucks each for them or mm-hmm. know them. And that's why I get annoyed because uh, even the people I complain about, like when they get mad at me at other shows, we help each other out in some of stuff. I've got so many good books from friends. Yeah. And I want to, that's why I don't like to invade people's spaces because let them have their area. I have my areas and I travel more than most people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I'll go to Long Island and buy boxes of books. Or I'll go to a dollar books all day because it's yeah. fun. Yeah. There's not, you know, hunting. We shall go like the three students. Right. Right. Did you pick up anything else at any of these places? Because I wanted to buy some of their wall books. Their wall books were excellent price too. Yeah, I didn't. I was only really going through the dollar bins uh, outside. I didn't go into the main store to dig around because we were running out of time. So oh, yeah, we were like running out of fumes. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah a lot of driving, no eating. Mm-hmm. We had to learn to not do that. I did pick up uh, Planetary two through ten. It's actually I'm only looking for. I have a number one still. Mm-hmm. I just need a new copy of Join the Four. I love that uh, Planetary's version of the Fantastic Four of the villains in their story. Yeah, I only I had the I only had the first issue, and uh, have I you read, read Planetary? No. Oh, I so, have the Omnibus right here. That's right. Why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I only had the first issue that I, I found in a show in Long Island a while ago, and I was like, "Oh, this is cool. I'll keep my eye open for more." And then, oh, there's two through ten in the dollar bin. All right, so I picked them all up. That's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah we have it here somewhere. Yeah, no, I've seen it on your shelves. It's definitely. Yeah, right. I love Planetary. I give out the. Um, the reader copy so people can just read it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just one of those books. Yeah, it's on the yeah, I haven't had time to read any of the ones I picked up on, on the other day. I've just been too busy. But yeah, it's hard, man. We've got time like that. We're yeah. still getting ready for like all the conventions coming up too. We have Terrificon. And even though my new friend I've been hanging out with, she's a big Star Trek fan, so she might want to go up there and meet all this cast. Are there and Star Trek people at that one? It's gonna be uh, William Riker, um, uh, Brent Spiner, Data. Okay. Um, bunch of captains from other shows. Yeah, I can't go to that show. That's when I'm on vacation. But yeah. I went last year. It's 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 good. Yeah, it's a bit of a drive, but yeah, it's a really good show. I would I like taking trains or stuff like that, but I still want to go. You know, mm-hmm. I gotta learn to drive. That for uh, is there anything else that uh, you picked up in the last couple of days? Like uh, on eBay, I did a lot of eBay and whatnot. What'd you get? Uh, whatnot was really weird. I bought a lot of Sergeant Fury uh, books, and it was like uh, they were all going for like two bucks, two okay. bucks. But some of these guys on whatnot, I don't know what the hell they're saying. They're selling like some of it is the weirdest oddball books for like two bucks, three bucks, and then the, the one that you know are worth nothing, like twenty. Yeah, I don't know. I've never been on whatnot. Yeah, it's very go on there just to see it. But you, dude, the, these guys just talk, 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 talk for twelve hours online, but they sold like five items. Yeah, but that's why I like Gotham Thrift Store. They have a really good whatnot show. Uh-huh. Um, uh, that's it. I know a couple of people who sell on it and do very well with it. It's yeah, you got to tell me about that one guy I would like to check out. Okay, yeah. Because, um, like, you never know. Right, but I, my thing is, like, I'm going to sell books. I don't necessarily want to put on a show. Like, the whole live stream thing doesn't appeal to me. I'd rather just, like, scan it, take some good pictures, maybe a video, throw it up on eBay, and whatever happens, happens. But it's the interaction. And I realized what's really popular on there is Pokemon. Yeah. 
Oh, and thank you to the donator for all the Pokemon cards we just got recently. We had a guy donate a like a garbage bag full of them for kids at the all the at the, all the public libraries in Queens. Oh, so we're giving them out. Uh, you get a comic, you get a redeemer card for an online pack of Pokemon cards, and you get a couple of cards in uh in a bag with um your comic book at the public library for kids under like twelve. When's that happening? One Saturday every month. Okay. So we're gonna have it at what right now it's at Woodhaven. We're gonna see if we can expand to Astoria, mm-hmm. Ridgewood, and uh Woodside. Try Jackson Heights too. Yeah, yeah. A lot of kids totally. in that neighborhood. If if you if that's up to you, man. You're the one that has to give them out. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but we're gonna try and figure it out and do it over time. You know, service mm-hmm. before self. Yep. But what's your underground of the week? Underground of the week. Zap Comics number eight, featuring a classic, slightly racist Robert Crumb cover. Um, man on the front is clearly losing his mind. Like literally his skull is being lifted out of his head. He's looking at one of his eyes with his other eye that's in his hand. And there's a, a little kid poking through the window with, uh, speaking in a rather cliched Hispanic accent. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It's a product of its time. You know how crumb gets, um, totally. Yeah. What kills me is the crown molding. Oh, on the ceiling. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. a different color crown molding. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's zap. It's, it's, it's the usual gang of zap guys. Um, the first story is by Crumb uh, about a couple of aliens, a tall alien and a short alien. Yeah, one eyed. They basically they come to Earth. They they check out girls with big butts and they get into trouble. That's they kind of learn about how humanity works and about whether humanity cares about the aliens or wants to go to war with them. So there's like some some good politics in there too. Yeah, but it's it's still Crumb being Crumb. And then um, there's uh, an S. Clay Wilson story in here called The Swap, which is like so chaotic looking that like his art is, as much as I love S. Clay Wilson's art, I find it hard to read. There's I got gotcha. you. Look at that. There's so much going on, on. in There's every panel, but it's, it's sensory overload. And it's, it's, I don't know what's going on in this comic, like in this strip. I can't tell. Another crumb strip, Can't Avoid the Void, um, which is about a vegetarian woman. There's another strip called Coochie Cootie. I don't know what's going on in this one. I haven't had time to really properly read this issue yet. Another S. Clay Wilson centerfold. Dude, chaos. Great. Absolute chaos, though. Like, the art is phenomenal, hyper-detailed, but something about his artwork. As, again, as much as I like it, like, it gives me anxiety because I can't, I feel like I can't take in everything that's happening in his panels. It reminds you of the Agnostic Front album, uh, The Eliminator. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of shit going on, but uh, that one's in color, at least. And then there's a there's a great biker story called Field Meat by Spain Rodriguez towards the back. Excellent. Yeah, I like all his biker stories. Man, they gotta finish his books. He's got two more to finish out his name mm-hmm. from uh, Fantagraphics. I need those damn books. Yeah, I'd pick them up too if they put them out. They, well, they came out three so far. Yeah. You have uh, SPA? No, I don't. Oh, because yeah, I yeah. think they're out of print now. But no, no, no. They, you can get them for a pretty good price. Can you? Okay. Yeah, I, yeah. I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind getting those because it has everything. One, um, it made me give up my trash man trade, mm-hmm. which you could have got for cheap in New York because there's millions of them everywhere. Yeah, it was like eight bucks. But now with the Spain Fantagraphics, uh, I have SPA. Right. And they're all great. Now I need IN to finish it because mm-hmm. I'm uh, like you see, I have a complete crumb. I have a complete that. I want to finish. Right. Runs. No, I know you do. I'm the same way. You like to finish those runs. A hundred percent. And yeah. if they come, if more of this stuff came out of Hindi stuff, I'll get it. Right. As a trade, it would be the best for me. That's the best anything. We also forgot one more book for. Um, I, I gave this to you today. This is from whatnot. Is I gave you a uh, Caliber Press book of Mobius number one. Yes. But it's a CGC grade with seven five. It's seven five. It's probably not going to be CGC graded much longer. Yeah, because they're worthless <laughs> now. But we're going to get to a point on that one. But that's another one that Mobius, King of French Art. Oh, beautiful. beautiful yeah, work. the yeah. guy's great. 
Um, the, the fifth element is everything about him. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, plus, you got to get the Inkle, and you got to get the Inkle Beyond. I think is the sequel. Is it called? Uh, I don't know what it's called. There's, right a now. There's, there's a couple of volumes of the Inkle. Yeah. Well, there's the one that's main, and then there's the one after. That's the one. He, did he write that with Jodorowsky? Yes. Yeah. So it's, yeah. I haven't read it, but it's probably. Trippy oh yeah, as hell, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I have everything that those guys do. Yeah, like anything Euro- uh, European, like Meta Barons and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. All that stuff is really what should have been in Doom. Yeah, you know, like so they made it the comics, right? But um, so let's go into the one thing that we both are getting annoyed by: right? CGC. Yeah, we rant about CGC a lot, but but let's talk about <laughs> the downfall that it seems because right now it's killing like a lot of collectors who have a lot of CGC who are not keeping it as PC. And now it seems like if you buy a book, everybody's just cracking them. Well, I'm probably going to crack that Mobius A because it's a seven five. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter that much. And no. B because I want to read it. Yeah. So anything under nine four is like getting cracked for for a modern book. Yeah. Yeah. But I will say this: like it's so it's interesting because there's been I I don't have access to any insider information or any figures, so I can't say this with absolute certainty. But it feels to me like a lot of people are just not sending in as much to get graded as they were during the comic boom because. The market's in a slump. People are getting out of it. Collections yeah. are being liquidated. So CGC, what they seem to be doing now to keep their income stream coming since they were bought by a corporation is they're doing signings like every week, multiple signings a week. And it's not just with comic people anymore. Like they're getting celebrities, Hollywood celebrities in and stuff like that. You know, like I think they had Robert Downey Jr. do a, a signing. And so much. Yeah. People sent an Iron Man books and that type of thing. And hey, God bless them for trying to stay in business. I understand that they don't want to fold. And uh, you you follow the money when your job is to make money. But does anybody care? I don't know. I don't know. I don't care. Personally. I don't care either. Yeah. Like, I've lost all flavor in that. Mm-hmm. The only one I'm keeping is my first comic I ever read that I bought as a gra- and got a grade. And probably my Mr. Miracles. Yeah. Because I haven't found a new copy to keep. But I have those tattooed on me. Right. You know, like, the other one is the story we heard about the AI. Yeah, they're using AI to grade books. Yeah, and the yeah. worst part is that if you're not using their press, you're not getting the first week pressing. So you're not getting nine eights, you're getting nine fours. So now they're making money with all the pressing. Mm-hmm. And so you, we're used to mom and pop pressers right. and local white glove services for that stuff. Yeah. And you're like, come on, dude. You're just trying to stick it to everybody. So if that is the fact, and if they are like giving lower grades to people who don't have books pressed by their pressing service like that's a conflict of interest 100 percent. but the thing is though they'll be like oh the ai doesn't see it yeah you know it's all about like uh in the end they don't care nobody's gonna be listening to this podcast and making a case against them right because they're not listening to it you know right they got 99 problems and i'll say one no they don't care what we think you know? and, and why should they but you know at the same time you don't bite the hand that feeds you. No, you know? and they're going to feel it. Yeah. Like the card companies, they started doing deals. Mm-hmm. And like uh, now it's a, wow, a bunch of Pokemon guys told me this. They were like, you can't play the Pokemon card. So if you're sending them in, that's it. You'll never see that card again. You're going to get it great. It's going to sit in a vault and nobody's going to want it. But they're right. not going to buy it to play it. It's just people for future investment. Yeah. So they wait till the po- till PSA and all these companies are like, oh, one fifty a card, send mm-hmm. in now or three dollars, and then they'll send in like a hundred cards because yeah. it's worth it. Yeah, but card people no longer want to collect it, you know. Oh, and also, um, I don't know, are you a big card guy at all? Like no. card collecting? I'm a big. Uh, I like Magic the Gathering, and they came out with a big set called Lord of the Rings, but they came out with a single card that was just found, 
And of course, the card is the ring to rule them all. Okay. So now that they found it, now the $50 packs nobody wants. Yeah. Because that's the problem when you find the rare card. You're not hunting for the one in one billion. Right. Well, it's just like ratio variance with comic books. It's the same idea. The ratio variance seems to have gone out the window, man. A lot of them are, but then every once in a while you get one that hits. I don't chase ratios. I never have. You heard Marvel stopped doing one in 25. They're just putting them out now. It's regular. Yeah. Yeah, because um, I'm a big Maria Wolf fan. Yeah, her stuff is pretty cool. Yeah, she did a storm cover, and I was like, oh, did you get, like, what is it, one in ten? The guy's like, no, I got an exact number of ratio of them and all of them. But it's so beautiful, everybody wanted it. Yeah. So I'm like, that's great. I almost always buy cover A, but when she did a cover B for the new Ghost Rider series a couple months ago. Oh, when it's all those flames everywhere? Yeah, I bought So that. good. Yeah. I, and, and if you get a chance to meet her, she does a cool remark. She hooks it up. Is she local? Her. No, she's Chicago. Okay. But she's a native creator, mm-hmm. like, a, you know, Native American. Right. Great person. Yeah, you can. it kind of comes through in her art. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's what makes it different. I found her in Marvel Voices, and I was like, I'm going to collect only this woman. I don't know how I found her, but might have been Twitter or Instagram. Like you sure somewhere. it wasn't me being like a big ham about it? No, I knew bit? about her before we were doing the podcast. Oh, excellent. Because I remember some of the Marvel variants she was doing. And I must I must have just seen them online oh, somewhere. did you see the Spider-Punk one that she put out? Yeah, it's great. That might have been the kickoff. That maybe. was a big one. Yeah. And you know what drives me nuts? I tried to buy the action figure, but I like to throw it in the wall here. Mm-hmm. Nobody has a price on them. So I'm like, how much do you want for this sucker? It's never good to go yeah, to stores and they yeah, have yeah. prices on stuff because that means we're going to look it up at the register and charge you what we want. Yeah, yeah. But luckily, I go to the same local shops. Like, uh, shout out to Galaxy yesterday for hooking me up with a copy of Captain America uh, Secret Empire, which is a trade I've been wanting to to finish my run of epics. Where's Galaxy? Galaxy's on Fifth, uh, Fifth Avenue and Ninth Street in Park Slope, Brooklyn. I don't think I've ever been there. Oh, it's that vintage record store that's been there for like oh, yeah, yeah. the okay. 80s. Yeah, I've definitely never been there. I know what you're talking about. Oh, make a trip out there. Parking's horrendous, but yeah. it's fun. Uh, if you look around, you run into Chris Klarma. He lives on 8th Street. Okay. Yeah, so I always try to invite him over to barbecues at Jason's house because mm-hmm. they live behind each other. Okay. You know, that'd be dope. And plus, it'd be kind of weird if I show up with some famous old man. Weird in a good way, though. Well, weird in my way. It's not normal, <laughs> but still. Like, how'd you meet him? Oh, I just invited him over. Yeah, he was just found Chris Claremont on the street. Yeah, well, I saw him eating a pizza, and I was like, should I just invite him? Or he's already eaten. You know? <laughs> he's very Seinfeldian. What, any other books you picked up this week? I picked up a couple of oddball books last week oh, that right. we're going to talk about right now. Yes. And uh, the first one from 1981 is Spindelmanen number nine. Is that German? No, it's Swedish Spider-Man. Um, I'm actually going to open it for the first time. I haven't even looked inside of it yet. I don't know what makes Spindelmanen better or worse than regular Spider-Man. But I can't I tell you on the, on the cover, Submariner's trunks are red. Yeah. That's not right. Yeah. He's like a communist Submariner or something. Um, and they also have a backup story with the Fantastiska Firen. Fantastiska Firen. I'm going with that. Yeah, which yeah. is obviously the Fantastic Four. What but inside, is it? inside, Submariner's trunks are green. So whoever colored that cover screwed up. Well, maybe they didn't have the pigment to the print at the time. I don't know. But as far as like what story is it, I don't know. Because it's all in Swedish and I can't read Swedish. It's Swedish Spider-Man. That counts for something, I think, doesn't it? Well. Do you have a Swedish Spider-Man comic? Uh, no, I have. A, I don't have a Swedish Spider-Man comic. I have a French Thor uh-huh. and a Dutch X-Men. Okay. And my, but I'm also... I'm not going to lie to you. You just started the bandwagon of the season. <laughs> no, no. You didn't know that this month is all about international comics? No, I did not. For June, it was like started out like that. Okay. Everybody's like, oh, the next big craze, getting international comics. So the fact that you already got one of these is like you're already ahead of the game. 
Well, I, ha- I found uh, some Mexican Batman comics in the yeah, that's a while ago. Those are cool. Those are great. Those are super cool. Anything because you know they're printed on toilet paper, but they're cool. It's, it's CONCAF, <laughs> yeah. uh, Continental uh, mm-hmm. Canada, America. So whenever you find stuff that's cool, but the European ones are hard because I still need a Mexican Spider Man book. Yeah. Like, was it? Well, um, Rana. Yeah, um, yeah. Rana. I need one of those for me, but I definitely need like uh, an Italian comic, a Greek comic, and definitely need Swedish. Yeah, I didn't, uh, I guess I never really put much thought into Swedish comic books before, but oh, they have activity pages in the back. They got a lot more going on. Yep. yep. Did you figure out what story's in there? No. Feel free to flip through it. Let me flip. Um, Moon Knight appears in a couple panels in the Fantastic Four issue, if that's a help, but yeah. it's probably not. No, I think it's a Marvel two in one. Could be. You could be right. Yeah. I mean, else? it's got a 1981 date on it, so. Yeah, it's where he fights Hydro Man at the end. Yeah. Speaking of Amre Arana, when my oldest son was just starting to walk, so he was like, you know, a year old, give or take. A friend of mine went to Mexico to do some like Habitat for Humanity type charity work. Oh, excellent. And he came back and brought my son like a cape and a cowl, a Spider-Man cape and a cowl is probably bootleg because obviously Spider-Man doesn't wear a cape, but it said Ombre Arana on the back and had a big picture of Spider-Man. So my son for a while wanted to just wear that and nothing else. So he would wander around in his diaper with his Ombre Arana cape and cowl on, like with his bottle, just like kicking things and causing trouble. I I got another Swedish Spider-Man book. At least I think it's Swedish. And it's a Pizza Hut promo. Yeah, yeah, check it out. It has the Pizza Hut logo on the top. And if you look on the back, it's like, hey, time for pizza. <laughs> Where'd you get this all from? Uh, I found it in Dollar Bin. Really? Yeah. This is amazing. Yeah, this is a 1993 uh, Spider-Man book. Not only because of this, but because of uh, the change of outfit for... Right. Uh, it's got Raven. Ben Riley in it, doesn't it? Looks like. Yeah, and Panini cards of... Uh, no, this might be Italian. I don't know what it is. Because Panini's Italian. Okay. But look at the language, though. It doesn't look like an Italian language. True. And on the back cover, it looks like Spidey and Mary Jane are just like pimping pizza. <laughs> I'm trying to like figure it out, like, yeah, man, I don't know where Penang is. I don't know. Yeah, you fully know it could be Turkish. But look on the back, Mary Jane battling the slime of the earth sure can be tiring. Looks like time for a pizza, and it's Pizza Hut. It's the place to pizza. So the back cover, for whatever reason, is in English. Yeah, looks like Bagley art. Nobody's that translation from uh, what's it? What's the name of the stamp on there? Gem Bolt. Uh, sorry, I got to know now. Dude, this is so great. So weird, right? I'm sorry, yeah. European Spider-Man. I'm in Watch me totally be cursing people. <laughs> Indonesia. This is from Indonesia. Really? Yep. That's Indonesian. Okay. Yep. Tom and Bukit uh, um, um, is like uh, Indonesia and uh, Malaysia. Okay. Yeah, cool, huh? You didn't yeah. even know? No. So that begs the question, how do Swedish Spider-Man and Indonesian Spider-Man Pizza Hut books wind up in the dollar bins in New York City? Well, that's the thing about New York. If Whatever you're looking for, you find it. Yeah. That's the cool part. This also I've been waiting to hear about is uh, your friend's book. That's going to be on another episode. Perfect. Too much. Got to spend more time on that on this. But we're going to go over one more book. Let's go over one more. I'll let you do it because you're the Dark Horse Presents guy. Oh, yeah. And this is like one of my favorite books. Um, and also this other stuff that's on it, it gets to me. What's the number on that one? Uh, Dark Horse Presents number 55. It's a cover from Sin City Love from that 1991. But what's on here also is John Burns Next Man, where he tries to write his own stuff. Mm-hmm. But John Burns only no- John Burns Next Man is only known for one thing. Hellboy. Hellboy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I love all these oddball books, like these wacky Earth, men, Earth Boys and uh, Arcudi and Morrow's Homicide. John, John Arcudi is talent totally but the thing is though he's more known for doing all the hellboy i know later. yeah i know it's like everybody just goes back to that dark yep. horse all goes back to hellboy yep 
shit, man. I had like so many books I picked up this week from Dark Horse too, but none of them like really big. Mm-hmm. But like, uh, what's crazy is that they also were like a little bit oddball numbering because the first ten are a different shape than the other. Like, yeah, like I have the I have the first issue, and I know it's like slightly shorter than a regular comic yeah. book. I think, which is weird. And the funny part is, I love John Byrne's artwork, and mm-hmm. you can see the Kitty Pride in this logo, like yeah. how she looks like her. But it's not a good book. I, I picked it up for the Sin City chapter. Of course. I have the Sin City trade, but like which ones? The, I have the, the first. Sin, I mean, the first actual Sin City story. Oh no! Uh, but do you don't have the whole run of trades? No, I don't. I have most of them in single issues, but I Fair don't enough. have every issue of Dark Horse Presents with the Sin City story in it. So when I, I see you. them cheap, I'm like got the trade i don't want to pay up for them but when i see them for a couple of bucks i grab them and eventually i think i'm missing two of them now and i'll probably have them by the end of the year because they're not especially rare the print runs on them were fairly high but it's like oh sin city in color on the cover that's what got my attention right there is marv fighting a nun in color you can't miss that the my favorite thing about the sin city is that the trades from the early 2000s Mm -hmm. are digest sized but if you get all seven of them they form uh, the stripper on it with the whip and yes, everything. Yes, I've seen those. And I love having that set. So I yeah. always see it for people. I'm like, grab it. It's a cool set. But I, when I look at Sin City, I want the art big. I don't want it tiny digest sized. I want it big. Like, I would love Sin City if it were printed oversized. I see the trades a lot. I'll grab it for you if I yeah. ever see them. I love stuff like that. Mm-hmm. What did you think of the movie? The first one's great. The second one's okay. I haven't seen the second one. The I, second I thought okay. the first one was pretty good. Yeah, because uh, the acting's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way it translates is all right. Um, Clive Owen carries the second movie. Okay. He plays Dwight coming back. Yeah. And like, um, it's just, you know what it is? Is like, um, there's so much tragedy now to all the actors on there. Cause, uh, the girl, the, the waitress, um, the one that Clive Owens is dating, uh, she's passed away cause she got murdered in her house. I think, was it? Oh, no, no. She, was she the one that was murdered in New York? I don't remember. It was uh, one, she was one of the girls from that movie with Brittany, Brittany something. Brittany Murphy. Murphy. Yeah. yeah she was she, also Luann on King of the Hill. Luann on King of the Hill, which they didn't bring back when they did later uh, King of the Hill. Right. Which is sad. And then um and then now that Bruce Willis is no longer gonna be like uh, functioning because right. uh neurological disease. Yeah, yeah, it's sad. Right? And it's like and all the characters on it, and then I don't know, the what's the name? Uh, and then the guy Elijah Wood, just mm-hmm. as Nobody like if you tell if you if you don't say Frodo you don't know who the fuck that is. I know Elijah Wood, and I'm not a Lord of the Rings fan. Yeah, but you get you what know I'm trying Elijah to say. Wood was great in the Maniac remake. I didn't even see the Maniac. Remake. There's a Maniac remake starring Elijah Wood in the Joe Spinell role, and it's really good, surprisingly good. I would have figured Maniac remake. No way this is going to be good. It's going to suck because it's remaking a classic, right? Yeah. Nobody can touch Joe Spinell. They go in a different direction. It's a similar story, but Elijah Wood's not trying to be Joe Spinell because he can't be. But he can yeah. still bring a weird sense of creepy menace to the role. And because he did it in Sin City too. He's yeah. creepy in that. So I like Elijah Wood when he's playing like weird, creepy characters rather than hobbits. True. True. I, I really love like, him as an actor. I don't really like hobbits. I like how we have a little oh, just so, throwing that out there. No, I love Lord of the Rings because um if you ever see me bummed, I'll always post uh the Rider the Rory Heron. It's like when they all like uh, go into battle to save like um in the final movie. You never saw Lord of the Rings? I saw the first movie and thought it was eh. I saw the second movie and thought the part with the giant trees fighting was kind of cool and that yeah. Christopher Lee was really good in it. I have tried three times to finish the third movie and fallen asleep every single time. So at that point, I gave up. I just don't care. I'm so impressed. <laughs> um, we got time for this for me to go. Yeah, yeah. There's multiple parts of why Lord of the Rings I love. One, I love um, I love the ride of the Rohirrim because they uh, come to save Gondor at the third film. But they... 
they have the greatest line because they uh, at the beginning of the movie they said where were they when we needed them at Helm's Deep when they mm-hmm. were being attacked, and then when the beacon is lit and they ask for help, I'm having brain fart. And then the king says, and Gondor will answer, and then uh, Ron will answer the call. Best scene in the movie. But then when they're about to run down the field and into certain death, like Iron Maiden, you you, you hear the bugle and the charge begins on this battlefield, no one wins, and you just run into certain death. But What's really cool and what really gets me, and you would like this as a fan, two parts. One, Christopher Lee met Token and gave his thumb and gave his approval for this movie, uh, Christopher Lee, mm-hmm. which means the world because he's the best of everything. Christopher Lee is, is a great actor. He's great a perfect actor. casting. He's a Nazi killer. Yep. Everything. He's yep. the best. When he said this is a great tribute to Token and a great movie. Two, when you listen to Token read the Battle of the Ride of the Royal Hearing. And it's not as episodic and huge as in the movie, but it's so epic because you could tell it's something this man That's loves. like a book on tape version of yes, Tolkien reading it. Tolkien reading The Lord of the Rings. All right. And the Ride of the Rohan, if you cannot run into a brick wall for that, I don't know what. And um, I love that movie. I do love I, that I can tell. I, can tell. I, I love I know, that too. I know it's like, it's content that a lot of people love and that it means a lot to a lot of people, but it doesn't mm-hmm. click with me. No, I understand. It did have a big positive influence on metal. Yes. Bands like Broke as Hell would not exist without Lord <laughs> of the Rings. Broke as Hell kick ass. I was in Greenwood <laughs> Cemetery and so many places look like Gondor or Helm's Deep. And we were like, wow. This old, like, you could see where they got the idea from it, but it's also an old cemetery with a bunch of old architecture. Yeah, I think it's just old architecture in general. <laughs> it was just so cool. And this reminded me of that film. Did they ever make Lord of the Rings comics? Yes, but only for The Hobbit. Well, they made on an adaptation of a Hobbit, right? Yeah, yeah. See, that seems like a big miss to me. You, well, you know what it is. Maybe it just wouldn't translate well. It's not worth it. I don't know. They made the, the cartoon. I thought the cartoon was better than the live action movie. Yeah, yeah, but uh, well, the cartoon was also in the seventies, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. It's when we were got uh, Gandalf messes with uh, Sam a lot, something like that. Didn't Ralph Bakshi have a hand in that? I can't remember. I think he did. Yeah, but I love all that stuff. You know what teach their own? Like I can't watch some of the horror movies you watch, but right. I can but I can sit it's there and watch just, I don't, 13 I don't, hours of Lord of the Rings. Yeah, and it's I think it's have an aversion to fantasy stuff. There right. are exceptions. I love Conan the Barbarian. I, I will I have hundreds of Conan the Barbarian comics in my collection at home. I own both of the movies on Blu-ray. They get watched on a semi-regular basis. But like outside of Conan and Elric, I love Elric. Yeah. Um I, I'm not a big fan of Elric and I'm not the the, the elves, right? That comic or yeah, there's some elves in Elric. Yeah, no, no, the, book, the, the elves comic was that one. Oh, Elf Quest. Elf Quest. Yeah, yeah I don't yeah. care about Elf Quest. Well, you know what it is. I, I also have different uh, different things I really love. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really big into the samurai culture, so I love Usagi Yojimbo. Yeah, I love Lone Wolf and Cup. Yeah. Oh yeah, I love Lone Wolf and Cup. Yep. That's if if you don't love that book, there's something wrong with you. I went and saw. You, you know the movies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I went and saw Shogun Assassin, which is like the first two films mm-hmm. cut into one dubbed for theatrical yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so i went when i lived in oregon there was there was a, a theatrical screening of that mm. and the people behind me started laughing because the dubbing is admittedly a little hokey and but I'm, I'm so into it right i'm so mm. into it and i take Lone Wolf and cup very seriously i turned around i started yelling at i was like you need to be quiet you need to respect the movie and you need yeah. to shut up and being six foot four 230 pounds they listened to me <laughs> that's um, fair enough but i realized that maybe i overreacted a little bit <laughs> no but you know what it is they need to respect the the medium too yes not enough people tell people to shut up yeah did you ever read his uh, other books uh i have read lady snowblood 
Oh, I never read Lady yeah, Snowblood. Yeah, Lady Snowblood's great. Also, two movies made of Lady Snowblood that were really good. Oh, Dark, Dark Horse put out uh, English-friendly versions of Lady Snowblood. And I, I'm i sure I've read some of his other stuff, but I'm spacing on it. I'll lend it to you if you want it. I have which, half which of stuff? The Assassin okay, and uh, Samurai Executioner. Yeah, Samurai Executioner. I think I have the first two of the... Dark Horse did those in the Digest. The digest? Yeah. I have the Omnibus Digest. Okay. That's how I read all these books. Yeah. And, like, I'm trying... Like, I'm definitely going to get a Samurai tattoo. It's just the thing is I respect too much of that culture mm-hmm. to copy people's stuff. So it'll be Usagi or something like that. But I loved Lone Wolf and Cub. That, like... Uh, I, when, you, when you become a man, that's definitely a book you got to read. How much Make, time have you spent watching uh, Akira Kurosawa films? A lot, yeah, a lot. Because this, the, the man, the the uh, oh, I'm forgetting the name of the movie that's the greatest one of all time, Seven Samurai. Amazing film. That movie to know you're gonna die and you still march off to death. I was so disappointed. Five or six years ago, I gave my dad a copy of that on DVD. Yeah, because my dad loves the Magnificent Seven, which was a remake of Seven Samurai. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I told him this is the original Japanese version. You got to watch this. It's it's. I don't want to say better. It's better in a way, but I don't want to sound like film snobby about it. Yeah. Um, my dad prefers American films to foreign films, so I'm not yeah. going to tell him this is better, but it's it's an interesting alternate version of the story yeah. that I know you love. And it's got fantastic acting and epic battle sequences, and the direction is stellar. I said, you got to set aside three and a half, four hours to do it, but it's time well spent. And so I got him the, the DVD, and he got half an hour into it and turned it off because he can't do subtitles. I get you on that yeah. one. Uh, all right, you know what it is? I have a like a little secret. I took film class in high school, mm-hmm. and it was um, it was more of a morality class, and he used the samurai as a description of me. So when I was in a punk band, I wrote songs about that. So I really immersed myself in this, in this guy's class, and we just watched samurai films. It's, Sounds like a, the best class ever. Yeah, it was great because I hated film teachers. Film class teachers are some of the worst people on earth because they're like they never made it as a screenwriter, so they're kind of a jerk and but then this one dude was just fun about it Mm -hmm. big scottish man who was like you have to respect these people for what they love and let's enjoy a character yeah Yeah. and that's all we did and then what did you think of it in a discussion yeah you know and and i call it morality class because it gave a lot of like thugs in my class morals they didn't think they had in them interesting yeah grover cleveland high school interesting (laughs) Um, do you know the actor Tetsuya Nakadai? Is that his main actor that played the crazy one? No, that's with Toshiro Mifune. Oh, okay. So Tetsuya Nakadai acted with Toshiro Mifune in a lot of films. He's in um, uh, Zatoichi Meets Yojimbo and um, <clears throat> a couple of others. So he was he acted with Mifune in a handful of films. Anyway, he did a signing at Spacing on the Name. There's a Japanese bookstore across the street from the library in Manhattan. Okay. And um, I was like, I got to go meet him. This is so cool because Japanese actors don't come to the States and do signings, especially people of that age. He's he's an old man. And so I went there and I got him to sign. Um, I think it was Zatoichi at the point. It was one of the Zatoichi movies. I had him sign it. And he, through a translator, because he doesn't speak English, told me, he goes, with those sideburns, you remind me of my friend Mafune. And I took that as a huge compliment. What a and great compliment. I, got, I had my wife take a picture of me with him, and I've got this big grin on my face because this guy who knew Mifune just compared me to him. And I was like, even if it's just his eyeburns, I'm going to take that compliment. That's awesome. Hell yeah. Bro, I love I love movies. Mm-hmm. And I, I love how like we went off the deep end on films, and but that's what this podcast was about. Yeah, this was the Queen's comic and movie podcast. It's always so, going to be like yeah. that. You, um, I just wish I saw as much films as you because you know a lot, but you've seen a lot of all-ball ones. Yeah, it's a blessing and a curse. 
Yeah, but at least you saw them all. Mm-hmm. You could, um, it's like when I used to do the the YouTube channel, Metal Maniacs. We'd review a band's uh, record, and people uh-huh. are like, "Oh, you're never negative." I'm like, "You know how hard it is to make a record." Yeah, a lot you know how hard it is to make a movie. Even okay, so I made I've made two movies with my kids on summer vacation a couple of times. We did an Evil Dead ripoff called Evil Shed, and then like seven years later, we did Evil Shed Two, <laughs> and like they're ten minutes, fifteen minutes long. Still a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, uh, maybe that's why I was better at theater acting than I was at movie acting. Uh-huh. I lose my shit and leave. Yeah. Like, but stage acting, I'm like, yo, we're going to go. We're going to get this done and we're done. You were in a movie. Uh, you were in a movie. You told me. Oh yeah. But I was an extra. I was one of right. the punk rockers that beat him up. Yeah. I was in Creme Master 3. I was I, an extra in, uh, go ahead. Tell your story. Oh, uh, Murphy's Law and, uh, Agnostic Front were these two punk bands facing off each other. And, uh, our friend Frank from Step Too Far Great band. I gotta get I gotta give you them to check out. Great <laughs> punk American hardcore band. I'm gonna call them American hardcore because they're much better than New York hardcore. They're really damn good from the Bronx. But Frank was the one who set it up and got all the punk rockers there. And you called his number, he set you up. All right, you're gonna be there. He's like, Oh, Billy Bombs, you're there. They fed us for three days at the Guggenheim Museum, and then we beat each other mercilessly in a circle pit. All the skinheads <laughs> jumped on the Ignacio front, all the punk rockers on Murphy's Law. And and I remember this poor man came with his pink. Uh, uniform Matthew Barney, and he had uh, he, the previous scene, he had his teeth ripped out in the scene, like uh, where he had like a fake mouth thing, and he had to make a symbol of some Masonic temple in the middle of the thing. And we kept knocking into him to knock it over. So we just editing, redone, editing. Yeah. The best part is the, the cat lady that was chasing him in the film had uh, was the double amputee, but she had a uh, uh, she was a model with these uh, uh glass see through uh, legs. Okay. And it was like her running on the catwalk, and I was like, this is a great film. Yeah, it's wild. And this man almost killed himself a bunch of times for this scene. He did his own stunts, everything, because he jumped from level to level with a ladder. I don't think there's a... Is there an official DVD release of that? App? No, all of it is what you have might be um, uh, what they have released to the public, but yeah. in reality, the full movie has me and everybody in it. Yeah. But you have to be a member of the Masonic Temple to watch it. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, and I'm not joining those guys. No, they, they my grandfather was a member. Yeah. Maybe, oh, it's like maybe. it's like Grandpa Simpson. My, yeah, my grandpa's. Yeah, my grandfather was a member. Maybe I can get in on that. But no, well, I, we could go to one of their shows and see it. But I am not um sword and sorcery person in mm, person. Yeah, I believe in like a lot of that stuff. But like I realize I am more of a cult leader, not much of a cult follower. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Let's leave it like that. Yeah, I was an extra in a movie called Ratline, That's good which movie. was uh, directed by Eric Stanze, made in St. Louis, Missouri, and. uh they're the company's Wicked Pixel Productions, the company that made it. And they're probably best known for doing like a nasty rape revenge movie called Scrapbook. Good, but very hard-edged kind of envelope-pushing exploitation movie. But anyway, I played Dead Drug Dealer number two. That's awesome. And so in the opening like minute of the film, there's the shootout going on in the garage. Blood flying everywhere. Everybody's getting shot up. And the camera pans down and goes along the floor of the, the garage that the scene is taking place in. And I'm there lying there with like a bullet wound on my head. So that's it. That was my big, my big, uh, my big role. <laughs> nice. Well, I'm going to end up on that one then. Yep. Um, so on this episode of Queen's Comic Movie Podcast, <laughs> we talk a lot about films. We talk about our love of films. And it all actually uh, fits in with comic books a lot. Yep. Because it's like, it's just whatever's in our heads or displayed onto the radio. Yep. And not this episode and not next episode, but down the road, we're going to have to do favorite movie adaptation comics. 
most definitely yeah. but let's work on that one we that will. one that, yeah. that one will have to dig through some boxes and pull some choice cuts yeah yeah but we yeah because there's so many good ones out there mm-hmm. like we'll have the crow and all the actors who are on there and what they did before and all that stuff so it's definitely gonna be deep cuts. there you go all right yeah. that's all enough right. for this time see you next time bye Bye.